Amen. You may be seated. Thank you, Junior. It is always a pleasure for me uh, to stand in the gap and bring the word. Uh, I count it a privilege to uh, teach the word to you, and I love letting you know that I'm not, I'm not an expert. I'm not like uh, Pastor Gary or Pastor Jason. They, they have, I put way more pressure on them. Uh, but I'm so glad that I get to uh, give Pastor Gary a rest. I think he's preached uh, 11 weeks in a row, and so we love him, but we don't want to burn him out. Am I right? So uh, my wife is uh, officially an online Streamline member. Uh, she's watching this online, and she wanted me to remind you that she loves you and to say hello. And uh, this month has been a great month. Um, on February 18th, I celebrated my 60th birthday. So, And uh, my boy Arshel uh, cooked my favorite meal, which is a gumbo dish. And I thought I'll use that in this message a little bit, and you'll see why. Um, and so that was a nice surprise. And then my daughter, who turned 25 on February 6th, surprised me on Friday night. And as I was asleep, meditating on this word, she gave me a kiss, and it just shocked me. So she came from L.A. And, and surprised me, and her boyfriend was with her, and his name is Elias. And uh, as a father, I'm supposed to not like this guy, <laughs> right? You know. Uh, and so I try not to like him, but it's hard because he's a gentleman and he treats her well. And, and so I'm happy about that. And so, hello, Elias. You guys are watching. Um, I like you. I'll admit it. I'll admit it. <laughs> um, last week, what I love about Gary's messages is that he literally um, can exegete. He gives us the book of Mark and then he gives us a great bullet point to focus on. Like last week, he was talking about how Jesus turned up upside down the term greatness in, a, you know, in our American culture, being number one, you know, that these are people, we won the, we're number one, we won the Super Bowl, we've won this, we won that. So, but Jesus, as he was saying last week, says, no, it's, it's different. In my kingdom, the last should be first and the first should be last. And so I love his messages and how he just fine tunes it where we can meditate on, you know, one application. That's not going to be the case today. Uh, remember I was telling you about that gumbo dish? I'm going to throw a lot at you today. Uh, you know, we're going to have in my gumbo dish, well, our shells. He had crab in there, and he had, uh, oof, I'm thinking about it now. He had crab, sausage, uh, big shrimp, rice. I mean, it's just a mixture of everything. So that's what I'm going to give you today. Um, uh, do you have it on the screen? Um, today I want to talk about all things new. And in that, I want to talk about our new birth. Our new, cre our new nature, our being a new creation. And then I want to talk about this parasite called sin and then close with how we should glorify God. So there's a lot to talk about. But before I even get into our new nature and being born again, I want to talk about a little bit of a background on how we got into this mess anyway, and that's going back to Adam and Eve. Maybe some of you know or don't know, but God, when he created us, some theologians believe that he created us with just a soul and a body. Um, I believe that he created us with three parts. We're spirit, soul, and body. And we can find that in 1 Thessalonians 5.23. Can you put that up? I got notes here, too, so I should look at them. 1 Thessalonians 5. 23. Look at what it says. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, 
and make your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. So this is where I get, I fall on the side of theologians who believe we're three parts, spirit, soul, and body. Uh, the old um, watchman Nee, the 20th, 20th century pastor in China, he literally said, like the spirit is God conscious, the soul is self-conscious, and the body is worldly conscious. I, I kind of like that, you know, and the spirit, this is how we relate to God. And the soul is the self-conscious. That's where we get our thoughts, right, our emotions, and then the will, our chooser. And then, of course, the body is our five senses and how we experience the world. So I, I like Watchman, Watchman Nee's theory on that. Uh, but let's talk about how we got into this mess. Let's go to uh, Genesis, I believe it's the second chapter, verse 17. And you know the story so well. This is pretty much talking about how God created man in his own image. He created him in his likeness, Adam and Eve, gave him the garden, told him to be fruitful and multiply. Satan comes in, deceives him, basically saying God didn't really say that, calling God a liar. Sadly, Adam believed it, and so did uh, Eve, and they ate. And look what happened. But the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, but of the tree of, the, of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall truly die. Now, we know that they didn't die suddenly, but the scripture says you would. What happened? Their spirit died. Genesis 5, can we turn there? Genesis 5, the first five verses, it literally talks about how Adam lived 930 years. So we can go back to that scripture and say something else must have happened. Look, at, it says, the book of the generations of Adam, when he created man, he made him in his likeness of God. Male and female, he created them, and he blessed them and named them man when they were created. When Adam lived 130 years, he fathered a son in his own likeness after his image and named him Seth. The day of Adam, and after the days of Adam, after he fathered Seth, were 800 years, and he had other sons and daughters. Next verse, thus all the days of Adam, he lived for nine, it's a long time, right? 930 years. So we can see that. He lived, but there was a spiritual death, and we'll get into it about being born again. But to continue to think about being dead spiritually, let's go to Ephesians 2, uh, 1 through 10. I want to bring out some great truths in that scripture as well. Let's put that up. That's Ephesians 2, verses 1 through 10. Uh, yes, it says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. Now he's talking about us, about us who's passed from death to life. We're believers. In which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among, listen to that, look at the passage, among whom you all once lived in the passions of your flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and mind, and were, this is a key word, by nature, children of wrath, look what it says, like the rest of mankind. Pause there. By nature, children of wrath. What is he talking about? 
We're born, because we're in Adam and we're in Adam's likeness, we're born. Every single person is born with a sinful nature. David says this in Psalms 51 and 5. Pull that up real quick. And then I'm telling you, we'll get back, we'll get into the new nature. But in Psalms 51, 5, beautiful verse. I'll pull it up real quick on my notes. Is it there? Basically, David is talking about this. Behold, I was brought forth in inequity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. There it is, right? There it is, Henry. We're born into sin. This is the mess that Adam and Eve got us in. Pull up the first slide for me. Now I want to get back into the, now I want to get back into this new creation that God has, but I want us to look at it from the bottom up. Look how it was prophesied in Ezekiel 36, 26. He says, and I will, this is God speaking, and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you, and I will remove, I love this, let me get close, and I will remove the heart of stone from which your flesh and give you a, a, a heart of flesh. I love what he says, and I, and, and I will put a new spirit in you. Now, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, I have it in the Amplified Version, which I love. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, that is, grafted in, joined to him by faith in him as Savior, he is a new creation, reborn and renewed by the Holy Spirit. The old things, what is that? That old sinful nature, the previous moral and spiritual, have what? passed away, past tense. Now, now we get to John 3, and uh, here's where I look at the notes. All right, where are we? Because I want to read, I didn't have enough time to put in 3 and 4, but let's go to John 3. It says, um, John 3, is it up there? Oh, it's already up there. What am I tripping off of? <laughs> the new birth. John 3. So, you know, you know the story. Nicodemus was a, a ruler, and he comes to Jesus, and uh, he says, you know, listen, um, I know that you were sent from God because these miracles that we see and the way you teach, you have to be from God. And Jesus answered him and said, I assure you and most solemnly say to you, unless a person is born again, and uh, look how the Amplified breaks it down for the Greek. Reborn from above, spiritually transformed, renewed, sanctified, he cannot ever see and experience the kingdom of God. I'm going to go back when I close. I want us to go back and talk about seeing and experiencing the kingdom of God. In verse 4, he says this. He says, and then Nicodemus says to him, well, how can a man be born when he is old? He cannot enter his mother's womb a second time and be born, can he? And Jesus said, I assure you and most solemnly say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot ever enter the kingdom of God. So now there's a seeing and experiencing, and there's also an entering the kingdom of God. Verse 6 says, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, the physical, merely physical, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. And he says, do not be surprised that I've told you, you must be born again. Again, the Greek says, reborn from above, spiritually transformed, renewed and sanctified. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear it sound, but you do not know where it's coming from. 
and where it is going, so it is with the Holy Spirit. Hmm, let the Holy Spirit do his job and convict people of sin. We should just be that witness. We don't worry about who is getting saved and who isn't. Our job is to be like John the Baptist, a voice in the wilderness. Now, I'm, I established a case in the past that there has to be something in order for us to see and experience the kingdom of God. We have to be born again. But I also brought up the fact that we were once spiritually dead. Now that when we accept Christ, in Christ as our Savior, we're now made new. We are a new creation. Here's where it gets interesting, and I want you to focus and take your notes. In theology, I've been hearing for a long time, I get to say I'm 60 years old, so I'm old. I've heard a lot of pastors confuse me personally about do I have an old nature and a new nature competing with one another, or is the old nature passed away? Is it gone? So I, I, I turn to Romans 6, verse 6, and I want to talk about that and, and have you look at it for yourselves and do a deeper dive. Now I'm ready to speed up. Romans 6, verse 6 says, we know that our, what, old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing. I want to say that again. We know, I'm not, this is God's word. We know that our old self was crucified, not being crucified, not this daily dying to self. I know that might shock you. It shocked me. I thought I had to die daily. I've been hearing pastors say that, pastors with, who I love and respect. But this says my old nature was crucified. Hmm was crucified. So that's what the word says. I believe the word over man. Now, there's another verse. Let's go to uh, Galatians 5.24. It says this, um, and in Galatians 5, we understand there's a struggle with the flesh and the spirit. Um, the flesh wars against the spirit, and it talked about some of the deeds of the flesh before verse 24, you know, the deeds of the flesh, sexual immorality, envy, jealousy, dissensions, those kind of things. But, and then it talked about walking in the spirit, right? So I, I don't want to get too deep into we have two walks as Christians. We can either set our minds on the flesh or set our minds on the spirit. But here in verse 24, it says, and those who belong to Christ, Jesus, have what? Crucified the flesh and his passions and desires. Have crucified, not continually to crucify, have crucified. This is where I believe the Bible says that our old nature is crucified, was crucified. And now I want to turn to Colossians 2 and 11, and this will be my last point on this. Um, and it's a spiritual thing that's going on in Colossians 2 and 11. It's about circumcision. And we know in the natural, in the old covenant, there was a physical circumcision. And it was important to the Jewish nation then that you become circumcised because under the circumcision, it marked that you were God's treasure and God's chosen people. And it was a sign of the covenant that you had with God. So there was a physical circumcision that the Jews were going, so much so that when Paul began to teach the gospel, the gospel message, some of the Jewish people were saying, ah, it's not just about Jesus only that you're saved. You still 
got to be circumcised. And Paul was going against that old covenant thinking. He says, no, no, no. The blood, the death, burial, and resurrection makes you right with God and God alone. There's nothing to add to it. No works to be added. The finished work of Jesus Christ is enough. So I want to turn, and I just want to read it real quick in Colossians 2.11 in the Amplified. It says, in him you were also circumcised and with a circumcision not made with hands. Look what's going on spiritually. But by the spiritual circumcision of Christ in the stripping off of the body of flesh, and here it describes the flesh in the Greek, the sinful and carnal nation nature. Listen to that. Look what's going on. There's a spiritual circumcision that happens when we're born again. It says, in him, meaning Christ, you were also circumcised, but not with hands. With our circumcision not made with hands, but, with, but by the spiritual, spiritual circumcision of Christ in the stripping off of the flesh in the sinful nature and the carnal nature. I love that. I just love that. I, man, don't get me started. I, I can go deeper, but I, I got to pause and move forward. So I want to now talk about this parasite called sin, because there is something that we need to die to daily, but it's not the old nature. We've established by the word of God that has been crucified. So if we are new creations, it's a good question that I can hear you asking in your minds. Then why do I still sin? Let's go back and talk about this parasite called sin. Let's turn to Genesis 4. And I want to use uh, verses, uh, let's go to 4, 6. We can pull up that in the ESV. Here we know in Genesis 4, Cain and Abel, this is the story of, you know, when Cain killed Abel uh, because Cain had a better sacrifice than his brother. And I want you to understand, whenever I read this, I'm like, wow, you can understand how this sinful nature is working. Because Cain didn't have, you know, violent videos. There was no NRA. There was no guns. You know, how we try to blame bad behavior on products like guns or video games that you watch. There's none of that here. Cain was jealous and mad that his brother Abel had a better sacrifice. Look at this beautiful, and this is when God, I believe this is the first time God even talks about sin. He says, the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? And why has your face fallen? Next verse. If you do well, will you do, you will not be, if you do well, you will not be accepted. And if you do not do well, sin, look at, sin is crouching at your door. It's desires for you, but you must rule over it. Look how God talks about sin as a parasite, a third-party principle. In the Amplified, it said, um, he says, listen, if you believe in me, I will accept you and be pleasing. But if not, he says, Cain, be careful. Sin is crouching at your door. It's desires for you, and it wants to overpower you. But he says you must master it. Let's go to uh, Romans 7, because Paul goes deeper into this parasite called sin. You notice how he's talking about sin as if it's a third-party entity. Now, when I was younger, we, uh, we played in the streets a lot. I don't know, kids just do this all day. But in my generation, we, could, we had to do our chores, couldn't wait. You would hop fences. We did a lot of stuff. We didn't have helmets on bike. We were crazy. You know what I mean? we, you know, but there's times when I would hop somebody's fence and I would get a splinter in my hand. And I can look at this parasite called a splinter and I can see it. The splinter is not me, but it's in me. 
That's the same kind of concept that God is trying to say to us. You know, this parasite called sin, which entered the world when Eve disobeyed, and now we've established that we're all born with this sinful nature. Look, what, look, what, uh, look how uh, Paul was struggling with this parasite called sin. Um, we can pick it up uh, in, in verse 17. I might want to pick it up before verse 17. Yeah, yeah, let, let's just start. Let's just start with verse 1. <laughs> uh, yeah, let's just start there. I, I kinda, I'm looking at it right now. Let's start. It says, what shall we say? Now he's talking about the law and sin. He goes, what shall we say? That the law is sin? He says, by no means. Yet, if, I did not, if it not had been for the law, I would not have known what this parasite called sin. For I would have not have known what it it is to covet if the law had not said you should not covet. The law is good. Remember that. He says, but sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, produced in what? In me all kinds of covetousness. Apart from the law, sin lies dead. And then let's skip down to, uh, I want to skip down to verse 13. Now, he goes on to say, did that which is good then bring death to me? Talking about the law by no means. What, what was it? it? It was sin producing death in me through what is good in order that sin might be shown to be sin. And then um, he, he skips down to a verse. This is what I like because every Christian goes to this. Listen to this. So now, I'm going to slow down. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin, where does it dwell? It dwells within me. Here he says in verse 18, For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. Here's what I like. For I have the desire to do what is right. That's because God, in Ezekiel, said, I'm going to give you a new heart. You're going to have new passions, right? We, we desire to do right because we have a new heart that we can trust, right? He goes, but not the ability to carry it out. Hmm, hmm. He says, for I, do, for I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, here's a key verse, 20. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but what? The sin that dwells in me. Hmm. Haven't we all been there? We've all been there. Now, let's turn to Romans 6. Here's where I believe, this is just from my own studying, here's where I think that the dying daily is sin. Look what the Bible says. Verse 6, verse, uh, Romans 6, verse 1. What shall we say then? Are we to continue to live in sin that grace may, may abound? Hmm, by no means. How can we, Christians, followers of Jesus Christ, who what? Died to sin, still live in it. He goes on to say, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that as Jesus Christ was raised from the dead of the glory. Look what it says. We, too, might walk in newness of life. I'm like, whoa, might walk? In the newness of life. That means we have a choice to either walk by the Spirit or walk by the flesh. Unbelievers do not have that choice. 
We might walk in this. This is why you see us one day, we're glorifying God, and the next day we might be cursing somebody out. Hmm. Can I keep it real? All right, and why is that? Well, because sin dwells in you, and I don't want to keep reading, but you understand that he says later on, he says, listen, present what? Your bodies as a living sacrifice to who? To God as what? As instruments of righteousness, your members. He says, don't present them to sin anymore. Now present your members, your body, because the body is, is not bad. You're not a dirty worm. You're good. But you have a choice now that you're saved. Don't present your thought life to sin. Don't present your eye gate to sin or your hands. Present your whole body to me now as a living sacrifice. As a matter of fact, if you true worshipers worship God in what? Spirit and truth. Hmm. Let's go back to how God made us. And I want to put it in the Silicon Valley terms. So if we have a spirit, soul, and body... And now we have a new spirit, right? Old spirit has been crucified. Old nature has been crucified. Now we're made new. We're truly our new creations in Christ. Huh? We know that there's a location problem. If you're in Adam, you have a sinful nature and the wrath of God is on you. And if you're in Christ, you are saved, right? It's almost like the, the boat that Noah built. Those who were in the boat were saved. They were in this boat. They were saved from the wrath of God. Those who were outside of that boat experienced the wrath of God. It's the same in the spiritual. So check this out. We have a new spirit, we have a soul, and we have a body. Now, if I had to put it in tech terms, some of you can understand. When, just imagine you have a computer and you get new hardware. That's the spirit. What has to be upgraded? The software. That's the soul. That's when God says, be no longer conformed to this world, but be what? Transformed by what? Ah, see, we need upward soft dates. That's the word of God. To be compatible with the new us. Now, if you're still thinking about the world, and that's why you can't love the world and its passions and be on God's side, you must rebuke the world and its customs, and this is what the problem is in Christendom, we keep bringing our democratic ideas into the church, our republican ideas into the kingdom, and our cultural ideas into the kingdom, and we just dilute it, and we confuse people, and God says, you are a new creation in a new kingdom. I pulled you out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, but what we do, we, this is the real, real battle is, we keep bringing our ethnicities and the way we were taught into the kingdom. We keep bringing our American cultures into the kingdom, and we think God is only for America, but he so loved the world, not just America, that he gave his only begotten son, right? That's how much he loves us, and so this is where the battle is. We need to die daily to sin. So the new upware, the new uh, software updates, you know, um, I'll give you an example for me. Okay, Keith, you're in Santa Cruz, and these girls have bikinis on. Uh, the old Keith would stare. <laughs> the new Keith has to take these thoughts captive because I don't want to have any sexual immoral thoughts. So you're going to get the thoughts, Christians. Relax. There's a battle going on internally, right? So right now... It is obvious that sin still dwells in us. It is obvious that we have this earthly body. But I got good news for you. One day, 
we will be, how can I say this? One day you and I will get a new body and sin will no longer dwell in there. We will be in heaven. There will be a new heaven and uh, we will get a new body. And, and I want to talk about that later, but let's talk about it now since I'm here. Um, when this old tent of mine is 60 years old now, it's, it's really breaking down. I know I'm trying to make it look good. It doesn't look as good as Gary. I got pictures though. I used to look like Gary. Uh, now, <laughs> pass me the potato chips. I'm sorry, Regina. Pass me the, <laughs> I want some cake as well. And I know I shouldn't, but I'm 60 now. I mean, it's breaking down anyway. I'm not, I'm not saying don't take care of it. I got pictures where I used to look like Gary. But this old tent is temporary. It's breaking down. And when it goes into the ground, it's imperishable. But when it raises up, it's going to be raised up with a new glorified body like Jesus. And it will never have any diseases. And guess what? I'm already heaven ready. You see, I'm born again. My spirit is new. I'm already ready for heaven. There's nothing that needs to be changed. I'm going to get a glorified body walking with Jesus Christ, being able to see him forever. Glory to God. I'm running out of time. Let me hear it. Glory to God. You get the new body and we will not be worried about sin. I don't have to renew my mind because sin will not be in heaven. The presence of sin won't be there. But right now we got to deal with it. Right now you and I have to be dead to it. Now the last thing I want to talk about and uh, okay I got a couple more minutes. The last thing I want to talk about is glorifying God. What is it all for? Uh, can you put up the uh, screen, John Piper had a great quote. I love this quote. Look at that quote. Woo. Don't you just want to talk about that? God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. Oh, I love that quote. You and I were created as much as we think that we were created to enjoy this world, and I'm glad we get to, and I love our country. We have so many things to be grateful for, but God really created us for his glory. Everything is done for his glory, everything, right? And that scripture right there talks about how God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. Uh, let me turn to uh, one of these beautiful scriptures that I want to go back to when I talked about when you and I are saved, there's something magically and super spiritually that happens. Now we get to see the glory of Jesus Christ. At once, when we were in darkness, that's why it's foolishness to those that aren't saved. They don't understand when you say, wait a minute, uh, the world has a big problem. No, it's not racism. No, I mean, these things happen. But the root cause is that we're born with the sinful nature. We're depraved, right? Uh, we're corrupt. I know you don't want to hear that, but it's the word of God. And now that we're saved, we're here to glorify him, and we're here to be a witness to the power of salvation and the glory of Jesus Christ. But look at this, look at this scripture right here, and I'm about to end. Uh, I remember when I, black pastors would say that, they would go on, right? I didn't even know, I'm not a pastor, so I really am about to end. Uh, let's go to... Um, 2 Corinthians 4, 3 through 6. And can I take my time on this? 2 Corinthians 4 through 6. It really, really blesses me when I, when I think about it. And I'll wait. I'll wait till you pull it up so we can read it together. You remember? Oh, he's got Man, you're fast, TJ. 
Look at this, 2 Corinthians 4 and 6. It says, and even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are what? Right. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing what? The light of the glory of Christ, who is the image, keep that up, of God. Let's read it again. You see, there's the God of this world, the prince and power of this world, has blinded the eyes of unbelievers. It's powerful to me. He, and he's blinded them to keep them from seeing the light of the glory of Christ. Jesus Christ, in, the, in our first slide, said that when you are born again, unless you are born again, you cannot ever see the kingdom of God. You. So what is this seeing he's talking about? He's talking about our spiritual eyes. You see, you and I cannot physically, and we have not physically seen Jesus, but the word of God is how we see. So faith cometh by hearing and hearing the word of Christ, Romans 3, I believe, right? Faith. So it is the hearing of the gospel that you and I begin to see him in his glory. And that can't happen until the Holy Spirit touches you so that you can now see and experience the glory of God. That is why when John Piper said, God is most glorified in me and you when we are most satisfied in him, Jesus Christ. When he, then that's why David said, who on earth that I, do I have but you, O oh God? My cars doesn't, yeah, I love Regina, love my wife, love my daughter, but not more than Jesus Christ. I love my brothers and sisters here, but not more than Jesus Christ. You see, because I've seen his glory through his word. That is how we see. And this is what he wants to blind us from. And this is the problem with Christianity. We are so caught up in ourselves that we are not preaching this glorious gospel. I'm not worried about my sin. I know I'm going to fall short of God's glory. So are you. But I know who took my spot. I know who paid the price for me, and I see his glory. He walked on water. He healed the sick. He raised people from the dead. He came. He gave up his glory to come into the form of man, and he was disguised as sinful man. He paid the price for me and you. So I, I totally rest in what Jesus has done. It's not about my performance. I'm not worried about it. That's why I can tell you what Jesus did. Don't look at me. I'm like John the Baptist. I'm a voice in the wilderness telling you, look, repent, turn away from your sins because you're going to be outside of God's will. And in Ephesians 2, we said we are by nature, those that aren't saved, you are by nature children of God's wrath. I want everybody saved. Jesus so loved the world. God so loved that he gave his own. He doesn't want any to perish. That should be our heart. We're too worried about our own performance you see what I'm saying? I don't really want to tell people about Jesus. person saw me get mad the other day. It ain't about you. It's about Jesus Christ and what he's done for you. But what Satan has done, Arshel, you can come on up. I'm about to close. I'm, what Satan has done, he has blinded the eyes of unbelievers so that they cannot see the glory of God. Well, we are his ambassadors. Uh, man, Jason said, Keith, what's the application of your message? Well, here it is. Can you put up my main point? It, basically, I'm, I'm trying to tell you, if there's a new you, there's a new humanity. 
You remember when Pastor Gary said evangelical Christians should be the most loving, kind, generous, patient people. That's that new humanity. And guess what? I love it because it doesn't matter if you're rich, poor, black, white, Asian, Greek, slave. We are all one in Christ. So let's get rid of all this worldly stuff that we battle over. Oh, there you are, Arch. <laughs> I was like, where's Arch? <laughs> and, and, and let's just settle down. Let's walk with grace. Let's be like Jesus Christ. Jesus didn't come to condemn the world. Let's stop condemning people who are already blinded by Christ. But blinded, Satan has blinded them. So look, Christians, here's some great advice from a six-year-old. The Bible says, if the blind leading the blind, both what? Let's not get mad at people that are unsaved and acting like they should know Jesus. There's no way they will know about the glory of God until the Holy Spirit touches them. Now, who is supposed to bring the great message? It's you and I. Come on up, Arch. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Elder Keith. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that, uh, Keith, so much. Give me a clap. Amen. I was raised a Catholic. Actually thought I was going to be a Catholic priest. Went to seminary, about to leave to go to seminary when I was 18 years old. Obviously, I didn't join. I'm married now 35 years. But it was the message of Christ into my heart through an old woman who believed God deeply. And she taught me the message that all things are new. I needed to know that all things were new. And it washed away, not that what I learned in Catholicism was all bad. No, it wasn't. But there was a message about the salvation of Christ, the goodness of God, and that he had freed me from my sins that transformed my life. So, Elder Keefe, I thank you. Because it never gets old, saints. It never gets old. That is the message that should be embedded in our hearts, that what Jesus did, it never gets old. I got some good news for you. I believe I do. Last week, hopefully this message um, that, I, that I'm got, the, uh, this update I'm going to give you is the same update I gave to those last week. Um, but I want to give for those who have not heard it. Um, a couple weeks ago, we made a settlement agreement with Vive Church and Abundant Life. Uh, in that settlement agreement, we will move earlier than planned. The original plan was for March of 2023. It's now May of 2022. That's the good news is that we're going to be able to save lots of money and move our church forward in the way that we believe God wants to move us forward. And in that move, there's going to be a lot of packing, donating, selling, and storing. So you will see me not look like this. I'll be wearing some dirty jeans in the days to come. Uh, with that, we will have, I, I'm looking for a temporary space for us. So pray along those lines if you want to know what the prayers should be. Pray for the temporary space that I believe will last for upwards to a year. And then a more permanent home. I'm not scared of this, you guys. I've been around a long time. 
I have seen the move of God in this church. I'm near here, near 30 years, and I've seen God move tremendously. One of the other things I want to let you know, we still do our live streaming, which I actually do at times. And uh, I want us to continue just to pray as a church. You are the faithful. You are the faithful. When I look out, there's some people I know, some I don't know. Does it matter? We're the children of God, and we're all in this big community together. We love together. So I just want to say thank you to each one of you. One day at Abundant Life, 30 years at Abundant Life, it doesn't matter. And I want to say thank you to the worship team and for Junior. I've known Junior for a long time. Um, Junior's a faithful brother who's part of our worship team. I've known him for many years, and we just thank you for because we're going to need you, brother. Uh, we're definitely going to need you. I want to say thank you to you again and to our youth and to all those who are serving, our volunteers and all you have been serving. I may call on you, so keep those cell phones up, okay? And, um, and just want to just keep the prayers going. If you just stand, just keep the prayer for... Oh, yeah. And so in the end, of, I haven't decided the date yet, but it's either going to be April or May, and I think it's going to be closer to April after Easter. We're going to have a celebration here at the church to celebrate Abundant Life and you. So I'll let you know in the weeks to come uh, what that date will be, but I think it'll be the last week in April. That's it, and let's continue worship. It's so fitting. The sun comes up, it's a new day dawning, it's time to sing your song.
Hear your people, oh God. 10,000 reasons for my heart to find. Bless the Lord. 10,000 years and then forevermore. Bless the I want to say thanks to Elder Keith for bringing a powerful message this morning. For those of us who are in Christ, sin is like a splinter. It is in us, but it is not us. That is a powerful word. Thanks, Keith. And just to recap, thanks, Arshel, for the update. Um, we will be moving out of this building by the end of May this year. Uh, we're looking for a place furiously right now. Uh, we just ask that you would pray with us that God will lead us to just the right spot. Uh, moving stinks, whether it's moving your office down the hall, moving your house across the country. Uh, but we see God's fingers all over the way this has played out. And this is an exciting season for Abundant Life Christian Fellowship. God is at work and he has a future for us and a purpose for us. And we are gonna get to watch him work in ways that we would not have had everything just stayed the way it was. Change can be hard, but it also can be beautiful. And so we're super excited for what God is doing and where he is going to take us. I also highly doubt that our shell has a pair of dirty jeans, but we'll, we'll, we'll see, we'll see. Please receive the benediction. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace until we meet again or until our Savior comes and then forever. Amen. You're loved, you're prayed for, and you're sent.